The Murder Shelf Book Club contains disturbing content related to real-life crimes. Listener discretion is advised. Paul Woodward was raised as an Army brat at Fort Keogh, the middle child between two sisters. She graduated from the Montana State University and began teaching until she started her career in reporting for KUSA-TV Denver. Also writing for the Denver Post, her stellar reputation was improved by her coverage of the John Benet Ramsey case in 1996. You see, Paula Woodward refused to report spoon-fed facts presented at press conferences until she had double-sourced the facts herself. That's good journalism. She did an exclusive interview with the Ramsey family specifically because she was reporting fairly. And this is what this book is about. Unsolved, the John Benet Ramsey case 25 years later by Paula Woodward. Welcome back, Murder Shelf Bookies. I am sitting here with Paula Woodward. Nice to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for agreeing to see me. Here we are at CrimeCon. I've seen her presentation with John Ramsey, which was absolutely outstanding. And I just want to give you the opportunity to share some of your insights in doing your book. I mean, I think it's one of the most important true crime books in 25 years. Well, thank you. That's an awfully nice thing to say. I can tell you when I started the first book and then continued on with the second book, I had no idea on the first book what I was going to write about with regard to the Ramsey case. I just knew that I felt like I was shadow boxing and I needed to find out if there were any backroom deals because the publicity and the case just didn't make sense. I started writing in 2009. And I published in 2016, and that allowed me for a tremendous amount of research time, which is very important for an investigative reporter. And the two truths that I came away with were, first, after a lot of laborious work, for lack of a better term, I realized that the Boulder Police investigators on the case had invented or lied about evidence and then gave it to a gullible media, it became a pattern of collusion amongst those investigators where very little about what we read online for the first 16 years of that investigation is accurate. That's just stunning information to try to absorb and comprehend. And the second truth which has always been accurate for me, is I am very pro-law enforcement. I worked with law enforcement a tremendous amount as an investigative reporter and grew to have a lot of respect for what they did and how they did it. And that's why it was very difficult for me to figure out 
exactly what Boulder Police had done because I didn't believe it. It was like, wait, this doesn't make sense that they would do this, that they would deliberately lie or deliberately manipulate information about the evidence. Why would they do that? And I never figured out why. I just know that they did and that it was a pattern that has continued for 25 years. The most recent situation that they're involved in is on the 25th anniversary, they said that they were checking into all of this new DNA technology Mm -hmm. with regard to genetic DNA. The information about genetic DNA has been out since 2015 and 2016 internationally. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And of course, that information and the technology improves. But at some point, seven years later, they are in charge of the DNA in the Ramsey case. There's a minute amount of DNA left, and they are refusing through benign neglect or whatever reason, they won't test it. And it's like, why not? If this is a key to leading towards a resolution of the case, it's time. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So what I've done in both books is go over the myths that were created by Boulder Police and publicized by reporters in newspapers, national television, entertainment, and radio, and expose them because we, the public, not just we, the media, we, the public, don't know what the reality is. And it's horribly unfair to this family to be convicted when they've never had a trial and when there's not a lot of evidence. Nobody really knows who killed Jean-Marie Ramsey. Right. Because so many assumptions have been made. And that's why it's so important. That's what we're about. That's who we're about as people. We need to know the truth so we can make accurate decisions. I have great faith in us as people to be able to do what's right. Well, we can't do what's right in this case. But if we're giving nothing but incorrect information, manipulated information, out and out bald-faced lies as far as I'm concerned. How are you supposed to make a judgment? And the horror for me in reading this is these people just lost their little girl. Mm -hmm. And they're having to deal with this media. How do you fight against a media storm like that? Because who would you believe? The police who are telling you one thing. And these people over here are saying, well, no, that's, you know, that's not we did. How do you deal with that? It's terrible. As a reporter who covered the case from the first day, I can tell you that anyone who tried to be objective and logical was attacked, viciously attacked. When I did interviews with the Ramses, all sorts of stories would come out about me on talk entertainment. About your integrity as a journalist? Integrity as a journalist, which is something that's very important to me. So then I would spend time fighting off the accusations as opposed to working on the story. Wow. It's a devastating indictment. What's concerning, it's still going on, as far as I can tell. Well, it is as far as the remaining DNA being tested on the genealogy spectrum. Why don't you do that? And why are you saying that you're issuing a press release and saying, 
hey, we're checking into all my stuff and we're checking into advances. And well, what is it that you're doing? Don't just give us generic information. Be specific. Well, there's not been transparency, though. No, there hasn't. It's disturbing. It's just it's so a, many it's levels. A public relations press release from my perspective. That's giving me information. Gives me a lot of showboating. Yeah, I uh, I agree. We're on the same page, which is again why I wanted to cover your book and get some of the correct information out there. Okay. I have to say, I threw the book across the room a lot. <laughs> because poor, the poor book. The poor book, exactly. The poor book. I mean, we can go through the whole litany. The Ramses didn't give DNA. At least Patsy supposedly didn't give DNA. And we know they did within the first week. They gave DNA the second day after their daughter's body was found. The entire Ramsey family who was there did. Yet two days after that, all the police gave a news conference and said the Ramsey family has given DNA except for Patsy. Because she's too grief-stricken. Well, that's not true. She did the Saturday before that Monday news conference. What are you doing there, Boulder? Do you simply, are you simply that incompetent that you're not communicating that to your public relations person or your spokesperson? Or are you deliberately lying? Then, within a day and a half, another story comes out that says that John Ramsey flew his plane and his family to Jean Bonnet's funeral in Atlanta. Well, what the heck? If he did, how could he be that composed when his daughter's been tortured and murdered and he found her body with a rope embedded in her neck? This it's not, not true. true. Number one, he didn't have a jet. Yeah. And then he was completely unnerved. But they didn't act right either. And that was another one of the myths. And this was widely distributed. This, again, was leaking to certain media people who were gullible and published the information, and it was that the Ramses weren't acting right. Well, how are you supposed to act when your daughter has been tortured and murdered? Her father finds her body in rear mirrors in a basement cellar, and there's a rope embedded around her neck. How are you supposed to act? And then I get access to a murder book summary, which is a summary of police reports. So I was very fortunate to get that. And I find that first night, John and Patsy weren't able to stand. They would scream. They would cry. They would fall to the ground. They could barely talk. I find from the first responder reports that three of the officers said they were acting appropriately. Then I interviewed a homicide detective from another jurisdiction who has worked on probably 150 homicides, and he said, that's just a dumb question. How are you supposed to know what, how people... How people grieve. I don't know what's acting right. Nobody knows that. And he said, they weren't in a position to judge. They weren't homicide detectives. None of them had any homicide experience. They didn't have a homicide department, so they weren't dealing with people who had deaths or murders in their family, how can you even say something like that? Well you, well, you can't, but they did. And shame on them, because they did. Yes. The other thing was they were offered assistance. The police, who had no experience with homicide, are offered assistance, and they declined. 
Denver Police Chief Dave Bouchard, who was one of the finest officers I ever worked with. I worked with him for probably 12 or 15 years as a reporter with a cop and got to know him fairly well. He was a fine police officer. He was a great police chief. And within a few days of starting work on the Ramsey case, I dropped by his office just to see if he had any ideas he might be able to share with me. And he said, guess what? I just called the Boulder police chief and said to him, hey, I've got these homicide detectives who have hundreds of homicides that they've worked on. You can have them and nobody needs to know it. You can have one, you can have all of them. We will help you however we need. And he said his response was, what for? And he said to me, what am I missing here? Why doesn't he want help? Is it just ego? I mean, you've talked to these people. So is it is it ego? Narcissism? Well, I don't know. I've never been able to figure out what their motivation is. Why did they refuse help? Why did they lie about and manipulate information about the evidence? Why are they not testing DNA for genealogy? I understand that there's very little DNA left, but if they're not working with somebody at a very, very highly experienced lab, then they're not pursuing the case. Yeah, and they're supposed to pursue the case. And strangely enough, I want them to pursue and capture the bad guy. Not just anybody. Just say, oh, okay, we're done. Check the box. Case solved. No, no, no. We don't need wrongful convictions. We need the bad guy off the street. Mm -hmm. Well, thank God it wasn't some kind of serial killer and you didn't have four more John Benet's. What ifs are terrifying? Well, we don't know who Keller is. Mm -mm. And if it's not a Ramsey and there's very little evidence against them, if it's not a Ramsey, we don't know whether he's killed other people, children or adults. He's still out there. That's why I want the bad guy in jail. Yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning there's a petition we can use to actually help everybody out there who's listening. Yes. Write this down. Change.org slash justice for JBR. This is a petition to Colorado Governor Jared Polis asking him to take the DNA aspect away from Boulder Police, give it to an independent agency, and assume that they would do what is the right thing, and that is consult with very high-level DNA testing agencies and get it tested for DNA genealogy. Yeah. No, it's, it's complicated. Because you want them to do the right thing, and they're not. Here's an opportunity to put pressure, to use our influence, to use our voices, and say, this can't go on. It has to change. It's time. It is absolutely time. John's not getting younger. No, he's not. John is 78 years old. That's what I mean. And he's worked an awfully long time to try to get justice for his daughter without much help from the Boulder Police Department. Actually, most of the time, he's been attacked by the Boulder Police Department, or some of the time, whichever way you want to look at it, for 25 years. Again, as I said, I'm a believer in the police. Oh, I do. 
I believe what they do. I respect what they do. Come on. This is a mystery. Well, and they were exonerated in 2008 by a district attorney who used touch DNA to test the original DNA. That touch DNA matched up with the DNA from 1997. So, therefore, you have three different labs using two different methods, and the DNA is all matching. So, the presumption is that it's fairly good DNA. She exonerated them as a result and was really quite viciously attacked from the media when police officers would call to certain media friends to complain that she was nuts and that she was way out of line, the district attorney. Right. Mary was Lacey, way out of line right. to exonerate them. Is that because the media believed the stories that had been planted and manipulated? Well, I think so. I mean, they published them, those stories. They didn't retract those stories. There was not an investigation to determine whether or not those stories were accurate or not. I mean, I can understand if you're in an investigation and the police are giving you this information, I'm not sure why you would say, well, that's a lie. That's not true. But don't you check your sources? Isn't well, that part? Of, I'm not a journalist. Isn't that part of it? There was a difficulty in knowing what the evidence was because it hadn't gone to trial. And that's the only way you find out what the evidence is. Right. But you do have, as a resource, going to the Ramsey attorneys. There were three yeah. of them. And they can tell you whether or not it's accurate or not. That's a new And it's, wait a minute, get both sides of the story. At least, at the very least, you have to have both sides. We all know this. We all know this as parents, as friends, as living our life. You have to have both sides of the story to be able to make a judgment on what you're going to do. Well, I share your concern. Why I'm at CrimeCon. Because here's a group of what I consider to be fairly savvy people, because they're people who have studied and researched a lot of different crimes in this country that have been puzzling crimes. Mm -hmm. They don't accept things at face value. They listen, and then they determine what they think, but they don't pound their chests and try to slam it through. This seemed like a good venue to present the myths, present the facts that made the information a myth, and then let them decide for themselves. I'm not going to tell them how to think, but I will tell you what is accurate. I think following the actual evidence is key in figuring out any crime, any situation. And your book is loaded with documentation, which is the other thing I greatly appreciated. Good. That's how you make a decision. Yeah. I don't want to hear about you know what Bob thinks, but I'm going to read the autopsy report. And critical to that, basically, it was a simultaneous nature. John Binet had to have been struck and strangled just about simultaneously in determining that cause of death. And you know what? One can't go without the other. The most underpublicized, ignored, and least quoted fact in the case, this is evidence, is that autopsy, as you mentioned, look at the cause of death. 
the cause, singular, not causes, cause of death is the strangulation and the blow to the head. I cleared the corner and said, why did you state it that way? When it appears there are two causes of death, you said it was a cause. And he said, because it was as close to simultaneous as anything I have ever seen. And I could not determine which caused the death. And so I listed both of them because they were so close to being simultaneous. Sixteen years later, you have the Boulder police chief, who was an investigator on the case, and then police chief for 16 years, saying on Reddit, which he thought that it was going to be private information, mm-hmm. and we all know that Reddit is public, he said, when asked the cause of death, he said the cause of death was a blow to the head, and then 45 minutes to two hours later, the strangulation. And we based that on the swelling on the head. Well, what? False. Completely false. He's wrong. Read the autopsy. He's wrong with reading the autopsy. That report was available two days after her death. Well, a huge portion of it was available. Thursday, her body was found. Friday, the autopsy was performed. The coroner then wrote up the autopsy. Most of the autopsy was available to the police. But we're still talking 16 to 18 years later. And then it was available to the public in August of 1997. So I think that that was why there was a delay in actually checking it out. My point is that we knew this early on. Oh, yes. Definitely. Please do it. And I don't mean to be insulting people who have had theories over the years. No. But the theory that she wet the bed and Patsy was mad and pushed her down and she hit her head in the bathroom. Can't be. It can't be. Because you have to have the strangulation, blow to the head, hand in hand. They have to go together. That rules out Burke. I mean, she took my pineapple and I hit her with a something. And, and there's one other thing that rules out Burke for the simultaneous nature is not there with Burke. But also, in the autopsy, the blow to the head caved in her skull and caused an eight-inch crack in her skull. What kind of force, mm-hmm. what kind of person... And what kind of strength does that take? Not something that a nine-year-old, 67-pound child no. can do. No. It defies logic. It doesn't work. But people have maintained that because they haven't had the factual information. Excellent point. And that's, that's the one thing to remember when you have your theories. You and I and Jill were all duped. Yeah. Until I was able to take the time, because this took six years of research, until I was able to take the time to try to put it all together, I believed the information to some point because there wasn't anything else there. Yeah. And when I started to research and check it, I was like, wait a minute, this is not accurate. Wait, this doesn't work. And then went back and traced all the newspapers and the television stories and the headlines. It was like, whoa, this is going on and on and on. This was deliberate. This is a pattern. And we all didn't know any better. Yeah, we believed what they were telling us because why would they not tell us the truth? But they didn't tell us the truth. And you know what? I don't even care at this point, but correct the information now. Stop it. We don't care anymore. Whatever their motivation was, 
there it was, we're, we're not going to figure it out. No, well, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's infuriating. And but you know what? They did what they did, but fix it. That's not going to happen. But they're not going to do it. And that's why it's so important that if you're listening to this, vote on that petition and vote for the governor of Colorado to remove the DNA aspect from Boulder Police. Yeah. Because that's the only way that DNA is going to be tested through the genealogy process. Only way. They can say what they want. Boulder Police can say, oh, we don't have enough. I don't believe you. Until you go to somebody who has the expertise and the knowledge, and that's somebody on the national level, one of the private labs, until you go to them and they say it, I don't believe you. And that's why it's so important for credibility that the governor, is a good governor too, by the way, that he knew that aspect of the case from an independent agency who could say, hey, here's the deal. I don't believe that. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. Boulder, I'm sorry they've lost credibility with me. And yeah. I'm, I'm very pro law enforcement. I have law enforcement in my family. I've always been an advocate for police, but good policing. This is just shameful. It's just yes, terrible. It I will put the petition information on my blog. Good. www.murdershelpbookclub.com. You know where it is, Murder Bookies. I'm going to put it on Twitter. I'm going to put it on my Facebook page, Instagram, and we will do everything we can to, to get that, that out. Okay. All right. All right. Getting justice for JonBenet Ramsey cannot be done without people like you, Jill, without the people who belong to your group. Thank you. We need your help. And I didn't formulate the petition. Boy, I'll sure sign it. Uh, this morning when we were sitting listening to you, I was on my phone and already signed it. Good. Yeah, it's already out, but it'll be out again. It's not like a one-time thing, and then I walk away from it. Yeah. You know, you're kind of stuck with me. Well, thank you very much. And everything you're doing is really appreciated by somebody like me. What I want is accuracy and honesty and justice for that child. There's been no accountability from the officers on that case. And at some point, that's not right. Help out here, folks. That's not okay. Yeah. And if that petition can make a change and we can get that evidence processed, which I can't understand why you wouldn't want to do it, but whatever. We can make a difference here. We can use our voices by clicking a couple buttons. I think we can do that, guys. Thanks, Jill. Thank you, Paula. I appreciate it so much. And guys, listen, I covered the book, but you know what I always tell you? I am not a replacement for reading the book. Unsolved, the John JonBenet Ramsey case 25 years later by Paula Woodward. It needs to be on your murder shelf. If you're listening to this Vote on that petition and vote. Write this down. Change.org slash justice for JBR. Thank you for listening. Please leave a five-star review and buy me a coffee if you can. The link is on my blog at www.murdershelfbookclub.com. Both really help me grow the podcast and make new murder bookies. Reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter or shoot me an email at jill at murdershelfbookclub.com. I'd love to hear from you. Follow me or subscribe to my shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Let my episodes pop right into your feed. And until next time, murder bookies, 
happy reading, trust your gut. Source material and snack and drink information for unsolved John Benet Ramsey case 25 years later is found on my blog too. Written and produced by Jill, all rights reserved.